Now that we've explored the legal thinking that went into the Miranda decision, we've got another question to answer here, Nathan. And what's that, Joanne? How did this decision migrate out of the courtroom and into pop culture? Mm. (laughs) It's a good question. (laughs) And as it happens, that part of the story starts with another question. What exactly are we supposed to say when we arrest somebody? That's legal scholar Ron Steiner. He says that the California attorney general, like many prosecutors around the country, wanted to ensure confessions were not going to get thrown out because of this new Supreme Court decision. And while the decision laid out specific rights, it didn't have specific language. So the attorney general took matters into his own hands. He asked a local district attorney to break down the court's decision into a simple paragraph that could be easily remembered by both police and suspects. The court wanted the suspect to know the right to remain silent, the right to have an attorney, the right to have a free attorney if they couldn't afford it. And he distilled that language into a credit card-sized card that police officers could carry. He, on the side, actually owned a print shop. And he realized that, hey, everybody's going to need these. And so pretty quickly, statewide, and then even beyond that, he started marketing these little credit card size Miranda cards. And so, you know, this phenomenon that we now call, you know, reading him his rights was born out of that little print shop. Within months of the Supreme Court case, cops across the country were carrying these little cards. Carol Cooley remembers carrying them when he was on the job. Years later, he and his fellow officers sometimes ran into the man he'd arrested and interrogated back in 1963, the guy who started the whole court case in the first place. By then, Ernesto Miranda carried Miranda warning cards, too. That is true. Uh, He would ask police officers if they had any Miranda warning cards, and we would give him cards, you know. He used to sign that, so he would sell them for a buck, two bucks, whatever he'd get for them. By 1967, at least one Miranda card also ended up in the hands of a man named Jack Webb. At the time the Miranda decision was handed down, one of the most popular television shows on the very limited menu of shows you could watch was Dragnet, Jack Webb's landmark police procedural TV show. And Jack Webb had this almost obsessive-compulsive pattern of trying to get every detail right Give us a sense of Jack Webb's commitment to realism. They went down to Parker Center, the L.A. police headquarters, and there's a kind of funny story of him having his production assistants get down on their hands and knees and count the flecks in the tile on the floor because the tile was kind of a black and white (laughs) tile with these different flecks in it to give it a little texture, and he wanted to be able to match the floor tile exactly. Now, that's a detail that just can't matter, right? Uh, right. <laughs> to the audience, the viewer. But he wanted to get every detail right. And he thought, um, in consultation with the police experts that he was working with, that Miranda mattered. And that if his officers that he portrayed were going to be going strictly by the book and doing everything right, that they would need to give a Miranda warning and a proper Miranda warning each time somebody was being subjected to questioning after arrest. And so he had Miranda written into the script. Sit down. Before we talk, we want to advise you of your constitutional rights. 
I'm a minor, Daddy. Minors have rights, too. Any statement you make to us may be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to the presence of an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed before any questioning. You understand that? What's the difference? I got nothing to hide. Do you understand it? Yeah, yeah, I dig. I dig. So the American public suddenly became aware of this new step in police procedure. And he continued that into his next police procedural show, Adam 12, um, which was kind of another generation of cops on the street in L.A. Every week, uh, people were subjected to one or two readings of the Miranda warning, and the American public quickly became aware of the fact that when you've been arrested and when you're being subjected to custodial interrogation, they're supposed to, you know, read you your rights. Soon, Miranda became a marker of a certain type of cop show, one committed to getting the details right, like Webbs did. Eventually, the warning became so ubiquitous on cop shows that scriptwriters rarely put more than the first line into an episode, confident that a generation of viewers raised on shows like Dragnet could fill in the rest. So you have this fade-to-black phase of the Miranda warning. This part will sound familiar to anyone whose TV diet included shows like Law & Order or Hill Street Blues. You bring me a root beer? Michael Dobson, you're under arrest for the murder of Emily Dobson. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you do say can and will be used against you. Music swells. Camera goes to black. We're going to go to commercial. Maybe you can go to the bathroom. And uh, when you come <laughs> back, we move on. <laughs> 